0: So are we diving in? Sure. Are you starting it off like you normally do?
1: I suppose. Okay. Let's do that. Good morning. Welcome back to the Church's Messy Podcast. Been looking forward to sitting down with you again, Rick, after you've been away for a week. It's yeah. uh, good to be back.
0: I logged over 2,500 miles in the car Whoa. in one week. we, My family and I drove down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we drove back. Um, we, we didn't take a direct route down, but we took a direct route back, and it was, we had a great time uh, with my mom and brother and his wife. And um, The air is hot and sticky like there is Ugh. syrup in the air I down bet. in the South. That's the way that I was raised. I've kind of forgotten it. People talk about humidity here, and yeah, there is humidity, but I mean, it, it is nothing like it is down there, but I'm glad I had a great time. And uh, did some deep sea fishing with my brother and my son, and I got total, I mean, my son caught twice as many fish as I did, but I caught more than my brother, so I'm (laughs) cool with that. I came across this quote some years ago. It's I don't know if I'm getting it right, but basically it's this, uh, the only man, uh, the son is the only man that a father wants to be better than him.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and so, like,
0: I want my son to be better than me in every way, but I want to be better than my than brother. Than your brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't celebrate my brother being better than me. Although, you know, there's a, I mean, he's he's a great guy. But anyway, I'm digressing. I'm glad to be back. I had a wonderful time. I hope I hope people out there are having uh, time uh, to in- enjoy the weather and um, family time and friend time and getaway time this summer. But I'm glad to be back, and I loved your message, and I'm excited to talk about that. Are you ready to talk Thank about you. that?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I've been patiently waiting for you to stop talking about your vacation. So wow, can... <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, shots fired.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah. that one was a little easy. <laughs> That's okay. Hey,
0: before we um, before we dive into uh, what you shared, which was a, a fantastic, Fantastic message. Maybe we should acknowledge a little bit of things that are going on in the church world across um, across our culture and country today. Sure. Um, it was just last month um, that the Southern Baptist Convention um, had their annual meeting, and there is kind of a big brouhaha between them and a couple of churches, uh, Saddleback being mm-hmm. being Rick the Warren's biggest church, church, Rick Warren's church. And, and so the Southern Baptist Convention said, hey, you can't be a part of us anymore because you have women pastors. Um, And so that got a lot of national attention. Mm -hmm. And although our church has a Baptist history, Autumn Ridge was never a Southern Baptist a
1: different flavor Baptist. Yeah, just yeah. and there are
0: many different flavors <laughs> of 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 Baptist. And so that's in people's kind of consciousness mm-hmm. that there are some churches who are saying this is this is no bueno yeah. and then other churches are saying no it's a it's a great thing and how do we know which side of the line to fall in? Yeah. And are are one side bad people or another side good people is it, <laughs> is, it, is it is it like that and has our church evolved or changed over the years is well, uh, one on side this? reading
1: the Bible correctly and one oh, Disregarding yeah. the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: I, if I, it would be okay. I wanted
1: to. Well, I know just, it's on people's minds. It's on because people's minds. It mind. came yeah. up several times with me just in friendly conversation of yeah. people pointing out to me, you know, you realize if we were a Southern Baptist church, you probably wouldn't have had that opportunity to share the message.
0: Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of in the, they're, they're in the middle of a, of a kind of a self assessment that's going to continue for at least one more, one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, people are thinking about it. And uh, so, where where are we in this? And so, I want to give a little biblical information and history of Autumn Ridge Church that I think would be helpful um, for for folks. You are not the first um, female pastor that we've had on staff. Correct. Uh, we've had quite a few over many many years. Mm-hmm. Some um,
1: retired who are still part of our congregation. Oh and yeah, I love connecting oh, with them.
0: Oh yeah. So <laughs> let me first first let me do a little a little biblical overview, and then I'll do a quick Autumn Ridge Church History overview. And uh, I'd love for anybody listening to this, if you know people who are trying to get their minds wrapped around it and how we should be thinking about this, I'd love for you to share this particular episode uh, with those folks. First of all, um, there's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2 where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over 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 a man, and, and that's a that's a much disputed passage. We believe that passage. We think we are honoring that passage and following what what Paul intended uh, to communicate there. In um, our best understanding, is that uh, Paul was responding to a very specific scenario in Ephesus where there were women who were not uh educated and so the only actual command in that chapter is for women to learn Mm -hmm. uh, to be to be educated with the intent that they would then be able to teach. And that word that we translate into English, uh, authority, it's probably not the best translation. It really means to to dominate. And certainly Paul would be against women or anyone else teaching in a dominating way, taking advantage of somebody else. And so we we wanna stand shoulder to shoulder with him and, and dominating and standing against that sort of treatment of people. But it's also important to remember, um, in that same city, in that same church, Paul um, commissioned... Priscilla and Aquila to lead a house church and to teach believers years before that verse was even written. So we know Paul's not contradicting himself. So we're trying to understand what he meant. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they met probably was the first ever celebrity preacher, which is a guy named (laughs) Apollos, and they both taught him and instructed him. So clearly Paul was okay with that. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul gives instructions It says, when women uh, prophesy and pray in the gathered church, this is how it's supposed to go. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, there is a verse that says women are to be silent uh, in in the church. And people are like, wait a second, so women are supposed to be silent? Well, that can't be the case because just three chapters earlier, Paul gave... Uh, instructions on how women are to pray and prophesy in the church. The beginning of 1 Corinthians 14 is all about prophecy, is about teaching and instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's three groups of people that Paul says are to be silent. People who prophesy are to be silent. People who speak in tongues are to be silent. And then he talks about some women, there to be silent. So it doesn't mean never speak. He's giving clarity and order to worship. These are times you do speak. These are times that you hold back. And so it needs to be understood. In that context, uh, going back into the Old Testament, you have a uh, prophetess like Hulda. You can read about her in Second Kings chapter 22. Uh, Josi- King Josiah had kind of discovered this biblical book and didn't know if it's truly a biblical book. And they took he and his men took this to the prophetess Hulda, and she said, "No, this is absolutely scripture." She's the first human being in history to canonize scripture, mm. which is kind mm-hmm. of an amazing That's thing. Amazing. Miriam, who is Moses's was a uh, was a prophetess, and that's not just some honorific title. I mean, it's really what she was. Uh, in Micah chapter six, uh, God says through the prophet Micah to the people of Israel, "I gave you a, I gave you Moses as a leader, and I gave you Aaron as a leader, and I gave you Miriam as a, as a leader." So God has always been, um, let's say, thumbs up. God's always been in favor of of women. Leading um, and teaching um, in a way that um, encourages people to, to to follow him. We see that historically in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. Um, you got Deborah in the Book of Judges. She was a spiritual and civic civil leader uh, for the for the nation of Israel. Interestingly enough, she's the only judge in the Book of Judges where nothing negative is said mm-hmm. about her. She contributed to Scripture through a song uh, that she wrote, which is this thick kind of theological treatise of salvation history. And so there's all kinds of stuff where we see all throughout Scripture that God is totally happy uh, for women to, who are also made in his image, to have a leadership role and a, and a teaching role. And so we, we are a part of that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are being biblical. We're not elevating culture above Scripture. We always want to submit to Scripture, even if that means being out of step um, with culture. So this is biblically, I mean, Totally appropriate, and there's tons of other women who we haven't even named uh, in the New Testament, like Junia and uh, Phoebe and Chloe and Nympha and Syntyche and others who you know are um, are examples of leaders. And First Corinthians 16, uh, the Apostle Paul says, "Submit to everyone." who... Who works as a co-laborer in ministry. And then he lists, um, in first Corinthians and also in other places like Romans 16, all kinds of women who says labor as co-workers, And so we're totally being consistent with scripture. Now with our, our own church's history, um, I'm the third pastor in a row who says, yeah, absolutely. Women should lead in ministry and should, should teach in the, in the mid 1980s. Um, Paul Seward, um, Led the church to ordain the first woman uh, in ministry and in, in chaplain ministry. Um. Women have been pastors at Autumn Ridge under the, uh, under the uh, pastoral leadership of John Steer. Uh, women have been commissioned as missionaries uh, who are preaching and teaching and baptizing and, and, and leading in churches. Women preach the gospel in funerals and in weddings in this building and around, uh, and around the community. The first family camp that I went to uh, included a woman from our church, Basically preaching on the beachside in front of hundreds of uh, folks from from our church, and all of these are celebrated things. Um, And so, um, by having it on, uh, having you do that on a weekend service, Saturday night, Sunday mornings, is just consistent with the practice that Autumn Ridge has been enjoying for at least a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. So, um, so hopefully that's helpful for for folks to to hear that and know that, because I know that this is a subject matter that causes some people to question. They want to make sure, a lot of people want to make sure that they're honoring God and honoring his his word, and they want to be a part of a church that's doing the same thing. And I celebrate that. We want to do the exact same Mm -hmm. thing. Hopefully hearing that a little bit is helpful for those who have questions about it.
1: Well, thank you for outlining that. I appreciate to especially appreciate the heart for basing it all on our interpretation of scripture. Mm -hmm. And that this, like you said, it's not a cultural thing that Mm -hmm. we're running towards. And if anything, there's a lot of cultural tension over this topic, but where we land on it is by the Bible Mm -hmm. and, and what we see of God's heart in the purpose of creating people not just as one gender, but as two, as male and female. And recognizing that both men and women reflect the image of God in their own unique ways and that Mm -hmm. God designed us to be able to contribute equally to, to reflecting who he is and in the way that we seek to reflect him into the world. Yeah. Um, and, and just on a personal note, I appreciate your leadership on this topic. Um, I never expected to, uh, to be a pastor and, uh, and never— have taken for granted or taken lightly the privilege that it is to get to share God's word with uh, fewer mm. restrictions that a lot of women have yeah. and so I've appreciated your support in that and I appreciate that you've been the one leading the charge on this and not something that- Well you
0: know I appreciate you, you saying that Ed, but I got to say it it's not me it's not me alone when the when the uh, it was considered for for you to join our staff as 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 a as a pastor. Um, not only was I excited about it, our elder board affirmed it unanimously, and they were very excited about it. Um, you know, there's something from our church's history that. A lot of people in the congregation may not know. In 2018, um, before I knew Autumn Ridge's name, before anybody at Autumn Ridge knew knew my name, uh, the elders wanted to clarify what the practice at Autumn Ridge has been. Not a doctrinal statement, not a chiseled and granite kind of statement. This is the way it'll be for all time. But hey, this is our practice, and this this is what we have been doing. This is this is what we are doing. And it said that it is the practice of Autumn Ridge that only uh, men are elders and the lead pastor, but all other positions of pastoral leadership are available to both men and women equally in our church. And I don't know, I can't, I wasn't here. So I don't know if that was like publicly shared or if it's something that the elders just wanted to make clear, especially as they were getting gearing up for searching for, for a new lead pastor. And what we're doing is right in line, Mm
1: -hmm. right in line with,
0: with that. And I think it's just, all those things are helpful for people to know. And, uh, that this is this is something that our elders our elders are all for, mm-hmm. and so I appreciate that appreciate that from those
1: guys. So I appreciate that very much too. It's uh, it's maybe would some people might find it ironic that my husband and I come from pretty uh, pretty conservative complementarian background in in yeah. the way that we. Um, approached the topic of of women and leadership for many many years and uh, and it's been a process of a lot of study of scripture for us and a lot of reading mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of deep thinking and consideration uh, that uh, that moved us in our understanding on this topic um, can you recommend some resources that you've come across or some some things that have have been informative to you and how you have understood this topic um, i think for anyone who is interested in reading more, especially if they're wanting to mm-hmm. grow in their understanding of what Scripture has to say about women in leadership, uh, are there particular resources that you've enjoyed? Let me give.
0: I've, I've read tons of books on this, but let me give the one that I think is probably the most accessible um, that a lot of people will enjoy. And if you want to get into more rigorous stuff, this will. This will. Point you in that direction, but if you don't want to get into more rigorous scholarly um, writings, then this is this is a great starting point too. It's Tell Her Story by N. J. Gupta. Uh, he is a professor at Northern Seminary. Um, he's really he's really really good. Um, there is a podcast uh, on the. It's uh, called Theology in the Raw uh, by Preston Sprinkle, and he is uh, he's a guy that has been publicly. Uh, sharing his own journey and understanding and studying this. Um, He's got quite a few episodes on that podcast, Theology in the Raw, where he talks about that and he brings in uh, experts on both sides. Um, And so that's been, uh, I think people might enjoy that if you don't want to read, but you just want to listen to smart people talk (laughs) and wrestle honestly about tensions as they're navigating this.
1: Well, if they're listening to us now, they probably like podcasts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well played. I've teed it up twice to. Twice today for you to see me. I'm so I'm so proud of you. Um, then uh, there's another book that I think is just so so good. It's called Neither Complementarian nor egalitarian. Mm. And that is that is a great book. It's such a such a good book. Mm. And so those are those are three resources that I would uh, recommend for folks to. To check out,
1: those are all very good. I'd add a fourth one to that for someone who's looking for an egalitarian view of scripture. Philip mm-hmm. Payne's "Why Can't Women Do That?" Oh yeah, is a very accessible. It is book. good.
0: It is good. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then if you're like, well, well, what about people on the other side? What do they have? To say, uh, recovering biblical manhood and womanhood that was put together by John Piper and Wayne Grudem is out there. That's another one um, that I and the elders have have read. And, uh, and so, if you want a balanced approach to see, okay, I want to hear both sides. You could you could do that. Um, but I I think that if you read if you read these, you're going to be you're one of the things you're going to discover is, oh my goodness women have been leading and preaching um, from the very beginning. Mm. Um, and this is it's a it's a stunning thing. Mm. It's a, it's, a, it's a stunning thing to see. So anyway, I'm glad that I'm glad that our I'm glad our church has the position that it does and that we were able to benefit uh, from the from the sermon that that you gave uh, this past weekend. so let's talk about that.
1: A yeah little that bit. would be fun. Thank
0: okay. you. <laughs> All right. every we've talked about this before especially especially on on such practical sermons like this it's hard to get up and and preach a message like this or study a message like this without feeling like you're kind of going through the crucible oh yourself goodness. because i i feel like i'm i'm all of my sin or all my shortcomings are being being exposed as i'm preparing for the, for the sermon <laughs> Did you have? I know you had a moment. You had that moments like that because you shared a really personal story about you and your son in this. Yeah,
1: well, that's just the one that I shared from the stage. There okay. were plenty of other yeah. moments that God was putting on my heart, and uh, yeah, I don't have the years of experience preaching that you do, but this was a profound experience in preparation for this message in how God kept putting it like a mirror in front of me and mm-hmm. reflecting it back to me, and in what He was trying to to teach me personally, uh, through the study on this topic, uh, more so than any other message I've prepared either, either in a sermon format or for women's Bible study, um, to just feel like this topic of patience was right in front of my face. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so if, if, uh, if maybe I was pushing anyone's buttons with trying to feel this a little bit personally, it was really just because my own buttons got pushed with yeah. it first. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, I resonated, I resonated with that story that you shared mm. because probably. My greatest moment of regret as a um, as a dad is in a moment of just utter lacking patience and mm-hmm. some some anger uh, came came out and and I I I think my kids have forgiven me but man that it, it's hard for me to think about that mm-hmm. without just wincing yep. I still feel I still yeah. feel the feels Those from are from cringe them. moments yeah yeah for it's, sure
1: so and reflecting on that. And for a while, I was just, I was feeling badly about that. I was carrying Mm -hmm. the regret that I have over that, thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, it truly is some of the the most regret-filled moments I have in my parenting are times when I just lost my patience, Um, realizing that really did unlock something in how God wants us to be patient people Mm. because it's good for us. And that idea that this, it's not a, a guilt trip kind of thing. It's not God saying, you know, boy, I'm patient, so you should be like me or, or something else that's like a, an obligation or, or something we feel like we should just do better. But no, it's a gift. God wants patience for us as a gift to us because it is a better thing for us, not just for other people, when it spares us that sense of I've hurt someone because I wasn't patient with them long enough or I've hurt someone because of the way that I responded or acted in a time when I just what I didn't have that filter anymore mm-hmm. um and uh and processing that that time when I yelled at my poor kid um was was an eye-opening experience to me that the patience really is a gift
0: mm. wow mm. that's a great perspective it is a gift to others and to ourselves we need it mm-hmm. so here's a here's a question um it just seems like it's okay to admit that we're not patient in a way that it's not necessarily as okay to admit, well, I'm not loving, I'm not yeah, I'm not kind, I'm not I'm not gentle. These are all great virtues, but there's a there's an it's just kind of okay to say, Yeah, I'm struggling with patience.
1: Isn't uh, that true?
0: So yeah, what is that what does that reveal about us?
1: Yeah. Well, I think probably at the very least, it's a universal uh, experience for us to admit that, or to to, to realize that none of us have uh, patience mastered. I've never heard anyone say like, oh, I'm a really patient person. And Mm. and, I mean, there are people who are better at patience than others, uh, just as we see people who are just by nature, seem to be more gentle or, mm-hmm. or more humble or, or any of those things. But I think it is fascinating that uh, a more typical thing is for people to say, I just, I need to be more patient. Yeah. And uh, and it just seems to be a lot more socially acceptable to admit that Yeah, um, rather than, I don't, I don't hear people usually saying, boy, I'm just not very kind. I need to be. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, yeah, no, it is, it is, it is universal. Uh it is universal i heard somebody say one time patience is the thing you admire in the driver behind you but not in the one in front of you
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) oh
0: i just felt when i heard that i was like yeah you just zing me so good (laughs) i yeah i want the person to be i want people to be patient with me but i don't want to be patient with others Mm ah why do you think that is is it i'm just a it's just sin i mean what's going on
1: you know i i can't put my finger on that one uh-huh. uh, but uh, thankfully you know and, and and even you talk about the process of writing this message um i would like to say that i've grown quite a bit in my own process of mm-hmm. of working through patience and i'm i think i have grown a little bit it certainly is on my mind more mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I still haven't had times even in this last week where I've struggled with it mm-hmm. and uh and and one of the things that I'm so thankful for besides God's patience with us is uh, a want to want to prayer <laughs> are you familiar yeah. with that with yeah. that idea like I when you get to, to the point want to do this like I don't want to be patient right now but God would you give me the strength to want to want to be patient <laughs> mm. Mm. And I've had a couple of, of times in this process where it's, oh, I know I should want to be patient right now, but God, I don't give me a want to want to be patient.
0: I think that's a great starting point prayer. I, 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 I think that's, I think it's I think it's honest. Mm-hmm. And I think it it kind of it points us in the right direction, and I try to remember this direction over speed. Mm-hmm. If we're moving in the right direction, celebrate you're moving in the right direction. And I, I listen. I love that prayer. I think I think it's fantastic.
1: Well, I want to bring that to someone's mind for anyone who may have heard. I was pointing out. Uh, was really touched by the comment that D. A. Carson made in his commentary about pointing out how, on this particular night in Jesus's life, if there was ever a night when when he should have been able to be the one being comforted. It was still Jesus who was comforting his disciples, who Mm. was still instructing them. Um, and And a couple of comments that people have reflected on with me since the message was saying, almost in a sense of like, I feel guilty because I don't think I could ever be that kind of person. I don't feel like I could be someone on the toughest night of my life that could be thinking about the needs of other people. And I don't want anyone to take that in a way that feels defeating. Mm. Uh, but rather, the, the want-to-want-to prayer yeah. is, is a helpful thing there, too, of, of just knowing I don't feel like I have it to give in a, whatever the tough time that I'm going through or the the struggles that I'm facing, but uh, but God knows mm-hmm. the intent of our heart. And, yeah. And and on those times when it just feels like it's a a heavy heavy thing to try to reach beyond oneself to yeah. think about the needs of someone else, to still say I want to want to do that.
0: So the whole this is this message comes inside of a series we're calling Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the artist. We are his artwork, right? It's so he has done and is doing a work in us so that we join him in the art of good works. And so it's not us on our own. You know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, let me say it this way. It's not the fruit of the spiritual. It's the fruit of the spirit Mm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so if it was the fruit of the spiritual, it'd be you go do this and make it happen, But it is the work of the Spirit of God in us that produces things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's So we participate in that, but it's not based on us. Mm -hmm. It's based on His work in us, and we yield to Him uh, in that, and we join Him in that. And so, um, yeah, I think I could probably resonate with some of those people who are saying, I don't think I'm there. Okay, but will we trust Jesus to keep His promise? that uh, that he's going to keep working in us and growing us. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: When I think growth in those, especially those fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. characteristics, I think there's joy in reflecting on how that's almost proof. An yeah. evidence of the truth and the reality of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you and I have both spoken at times of how we've seen the Spirit develop some of these things in our own lives. Mm-hmm. You've talked about growing in gentleness, mm-hmm. and and I think of you actually as a, a quite gentle person, even though you've said you didn't Listen, think that that was in your natural I, personality. I,
0: I think that's kind of amazing uh, <laughs> because there, I, whew, I, that d- it does not come naturally. I, no, but I'll just I have describe it that
1: way. I have experienced beautiful gentleness coming mm. from you. Thank you. And uh, and when people tell me that they feel love from me, I don't feel like I'm naturally a very loving person. Mm. So if you've experienced anything that feels loving from me, take that as the spirit. Sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it that's is my natural It is proof that God is at work
0: keeping his promises to do, to do what he says he's going to do and us. Mm. That is... That's awesome. One of our values uh, that we have, we have eight values as a church, and one of our values is trust the process. Mm -hmm. And the idea is God changes people we don't. Not only can I not change you, I don't think I can change me. Mm -hmm. And we really rely on God doing his work from the inside out in us. And I think this message series is just a big old celebration Mm -hmm. of that. And it's and that value is just another way of reminding us of the of the of the gospel that he's doing this, but we participate in it. Mm-hmm. God's not going to grow us uh, on his own. We can't grow on our own. Um, he invites us into the process, and we need him. Mm-hmm. We need him to do that. And so let's just let's lean in. And you know, I so I started off talking about being on vacation, and yeah. there was one of the places that we that we stopped along our you know, twenty five hundred mile journey uh, to to get to get a snack, and it was taking forever. I, mean, I like it was just crazy. It was nonsense. How how long it was taking. and I and I looked at my kids. I'm like, all right, I don't know who prayed for patience this morning, but you need to knock it off. <laughs>
1: Yeah, a lot of us don't enjoy opportunities <laughs> to practice that, do we? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but uh, but they were awesome. My, my listen, if you could say after twenty five hundred miles that you enjoyed your time with your family, oh, I think we probably listened to every Taylor Swift song twice. <laughs> 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 Very good. <laughs> my wife and daughter just went to the Taylor Swift uh, concert up in up in the cities. But anyway, I'm digressing. But my my, just my whole point is is we need patience, and it's this process, and it's this kind of slow, messy journey. And there are all kinds of things that pop up in my life to remind me I ain't there yet. Yeah. But I want to keep
1: going. Yeah well i'm particularly glad that you get the message this next week that's cleaning up a little bit of the idea of bearing with one another in love mm. <laughs> and i'm looking forward to seeing yeah. where you're going to go with that yeah but there was one aspect of patience that it hit the cutting room floor in preparing for this message okay. and i would have loved to have been able to incorporate a little bit more of it but it's the idea of not just god's patience with us mm-hmm. in in how he has a long temper with us, but God's patience with us for salvation. Because hmm. uh, that's another aspect as, as I was studying patience through what the entire Bible has to say about it. Uh, there's some beautiful things that of all people, I love that it's Peter that records it for us. In Second Peter, he writes about God's heart for patience being something that he's waiting for for everyone to come to salvation. Hmm. And, uh, and what really I find powerful in that idea is that so many of us pray for, for Jesus to return. We just want him to come back. We want to be done with this chapter of life when we're living in this broken world, and, mm-hmm. and we long for that, that era to begin when we are living in the way that it's supposed to be, in presence with our God. Uh, and yet— He's not rushing to that day because he's waiting for that last person to come mm. to faith in him. And, and I was praying, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, we're really excited right now that our first grandchild is due this, yeah. this fall. And I thought, what if she's the last person who will come to faith in this mm. era of human history and God's waiting for her? Mm. You know, or, or, and, and, and many of us could be thinking of someone that we love that isn't yet a believer. And how beautiful is it that God hasn't yet sent Jesus back because he's waiting for someone to come to faith. Mm. And uh, and if that last person is our our loved one or someone that we care about, someone that we've been praying for, what a beautiful thing that yeah. God's patience is all oriented to waiting for that last person to come to faith.
0: His patience is in our best interest. Mm-hmm. It's for our good. So if we take that, what about the other times that we have to be, that God is requiring us to be patient with him? Mm-hmm. Not just like developing patience in us, but he's just going slower than we want him to yeah, go.
1: Yeah, that was some of the, the fun conversations that I've been having with people in the last couple of days have brought that topic up about just waiting for God to do something. How are we mm-hmm. patient with God? And, uh, and I think Jesus' call for us to believe in God, to remember what it is that we believe about God is, is key for Mm -hmm. that too. When we reflect that God is in control, He is intentional Mm -hmm. about what He is doing in this world, and when we feel like we're praying and praying and praying, and we're just acting, we're asking Him to to act, and we don't see it happening, uh, we can trust that there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. It's not that He's just forgotten, or He doesn't care, Mm -hmm. or He's too busy for us right now, but but quite the opposite. That if he is not doing something, and we're still patiently waiting for him to act, that there's purpose in that waiting. I mean, mm. maybe he's growing something in us. Mm. Maybe he's developing something in our own character. Maybe he's waiting for someone else to be ready. Uh, but uh, but trusting in who God is, I think, is so important in helping us to to be patient with His purposes.
0: You know, I I really appreciate that. I'm going to find. I know that I'm going to be. I'm going to be spinning on this for quite a while because patience reveals that I'm done waiting, even though I'm not done waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason that I want to be done is because I think I know all the things that I need to know. That's at least part of it. Uh, Cause I think we should act now or, or God should do something now, but clearly God's doing something that I don't understand. And having to accept there might be more about this that I don't know or there are things that I don't know. And so what do I do when I don't know? Mm-hmm. Who do I trust most? Mm-hmm. Um, I trust him. And when I'm impatient, that reveals that I'm trusting me. Mm-hmm. But when I am a patient, that is deepening my willingness and ability to trust him. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is good. That's good. I hope that the next time I'm feeling impatient, I could slow down enough and just kind of work through that <laughs> thought process. It's not just my willingness to wait. It's also who am I trusting? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So put a what's a what's a final word of encouragement to folks who are listening? Because everybody wants other people to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> and we all pay lip service. Do we want to be more patient? But growing in patience is is like it's like becoming a better runner. The only way to do it is to run, right? <laughs> um, so the only way to, to grow in patience is to participate in being patient. And so for any of us who who are feeling a little bit hesitant to really lean in, What's a word of
1: encouragement? Yeah. Well, I'd say start first with uh, if you're just recognizing that you want to be more patient, great job. I mean, just being mm-hmm. intentional about it is huge. Yeah. And uh, and then you're less likely to just react off the cuff. Uh, but but on those days when you're like, okay, I really want to grow in being patient today. Don't try to do it all in your own strength. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Mm. Start first. Just pray. Take a deep breath. Say, God, I, I want to be more patient today. Would you help me? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't have it in my own strength. Help me, help me, help me. And uh, and then look for opportunities rather than treating it some, like something that is a reflexive action. Mm-hmm. See, how can I demonstrate being patient? Grow that patient's muscle that way with the Holy Spirit helping you. And uh, and I think with the the... The opportunity to practice, the opportunity to see Him at work in your life, to feel yeah. encouraged by, I see God at work in my life. I see Him answering that prayer. That's an exciting thing, and you can use that enthusiasm and that uh, that validation of the Spirit's work in your life to, to encourage you to try it again the next day.
0: Hmm. Say, I love it. Thanks for all the hard work on this message. Um, thanks for being honest and raw in the message and in this, <laughs> in this conversation, and this is good encouragement. And so I'm going to, I'm going to join you in praying to want, to, to want, want, to want, to want to. yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. We'll be back next week.